Their bill would make Election Day a new paid holiday for government workers. Wow. Sounds like a great idea, Senator McConnell. Thanks for mentioning it. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Up in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ in Cottage Grove on Queso and Eugene on KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, in Goldendale, Washington on KVGD. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950. KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day uh, on the internet. So on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. Uh, Desi Doyen is uh, here along with us to thrill us all as well. (laughs) I want to, I guess, uh, send out a message to our, uh, boy, to a lot of Americans today, our listeners uh, up in uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul on AM 950, the folks up uh, in and around Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, even the folks up in Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN. Oh, baby, you guys stay warm, please. Yes, please. Uh, You guys and uh, others in the Midwest and the Northeast, uh, there's just another day or so of this bitter cold that you'll have to uh, endure, and then things should be warming up by this weekend. In fact, it'll be too warm uh, by this weekend with temperatures about 20 or 30 degrees above normal for this time of year. But I will set aside concerns about that, about it being too warm. After being too cold. Right, at this point. Within um, just days. Yeah, I'm guessing that that uh, too warm sounds very, very nice right around now, given the sub-zero temps those folks have been enduring so uh, hang in there there have been at least a dozen deaths now i think it may be up to 13 uh, in several states during this anomalously cold weather so hang in there uh we will have more on uh, on our uh, green news report coming up in a little bit on yes. all of this a little bit later along with along with some better news in germany that's where we have to go to get our good news. Hey, these I'll days. take it wherever it is. Yeah, I know. know. They uh, are now setting a course to quit coal completely in Germany. 
There's an idea. But for now, however, pull up a seat to the uh, radio hearth and join us. We will try to warm you up a bit, even if, even if it's just with uh, anger and outrage. <laughs> but, you know, whatever powers the transmitters these days. Um, well, let's start with some good news. Yesterday, we, we told you about the announcement that Georgia Democrat Stacey Abrams would be offering this year's Democratic response to the State of the Union address on Tuesday. Abrams, you'll recall, was Georgia's Democratic candidate for governor last year. She was ultimately declared to have lost a very tight race against champion vote suppressor and Republican Secretary of State Brian Kemp as he oversaw his own election as governor on the state's 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems in the Peach State. So if anyone disagrees with those uh, results, too bad. There's pretty much nothing you can do about it. So anyway, Abrams is going to give the uh, Democratic response uh, next week. That's a nice platform for her. She may try in the future to unseat Kemp for governor, or she might run for the U.S. Senate in 2020. So, so long as she doesn't get hit with the State of the Union response curse that has befallen many others in past years, Be uh, sure that to could hydrate, be good for her. Stacey. Yeah, no kidding. But anyway, as of today, and don't use too much lip gloss. Just saying. Oh, true. true. Uh, anyway, uh, as the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution and AP and others are reporting uh, today, before Georgia Democratic uh, Democrat uh, Stacey Abrams delivers her party's rebuttal to President Donald Trump's State of the Union address, she will take her voting rights campaign to the airwaves during the Super Bowl. Abrams' political group, Fair Fight, has bought time, airtime, on Georgia affiliates during Sunday's NFL broadcast so the Atlanta Democrat can push for election law changes. During the Super Bowl in Georgia, Abrams' November bid to become the first black woman to be elected governor in the country was, as AP very generously uh, describes it, marred by disputes over ballot access and integrity. That is putting it very kindly. Kemp carried out, uh, frankly, the worst voter suppression since the Jim Crow era across Georgia in order to eke out his unverifiable win, quote unquote win, while at the same time losing court case after court case that forced the state and its counties to include ballots that they kept trying to throw out and not count and, and voters who they kept trying to prevent from voting at all. Uh, in the bargain, after deciding that uh, she had little recourse uh, to challenge the 100% unverifiable results last November, she did not officially, she never officially conceded, but she did end the race by announcing she would not continue to challenge the results and that she was forming a new organization to fight for voting rights called Fair Fight. And amongst all of this, uh, in the meantime, she is still seen as a rising star among national Democrats. She is uh, reportedly the top choice to run for a Georgia Senate seat in 2020. So in this Super Bowl ad, Abrams appears alongside a Republican county commissioner from North Georgia, a white Republican county commissioner, for whatever that's worth. And what was the first thing they call for? Paper 
ballots for every voter, but not just paper ballots. They actually call for hand-marked paper ballots. Here's the ad. Smile. <laughs> I'm Republican Natalie Crawford, County Commissioner in North Georgia. And I'm Democrat Stacey Abrams from Atlanta. We don't agree on everything. But we love Georgia. And want fair elections. Every vote should be counted from every corner of our state. We need hand-marked paper ballots and our election officials to have the support what? they need. Join us in the fight for election reform. Take a selfie and share your support. Use hashtag fair elections now. Because picturing fair elections is something we can all do. Very cool. Yeah. Hand-marked paper ballots. They didn't say we just we need paper ballots. We need hand-marked paper ballots. And by the way, that was the white Republican calling for them there. That's pretty remarkable. And there will be people watching the Super Bowl who will see that. Probably more people than have ever heard even the term hand-marked paper ballots. Her new uh, Abrams new uh, voting rights group, Fair Fight, they're spending $100,000 on that initial ad buy in multiple markets outside of the more expensive metro Atlanta market, it sounds like. Digital ads will be uh, targeting uh, metro Atlanta residents, however. And, of course, they got all of that free media from jerks like me who are willing to play their ad for free. Handmarked paper ballots. Her advocacy, uh, Abrams, for election reform, uh, which is a top priority for congressional Democrats this year, is, according to AP, among the reasons that Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York asked her to deliver the Democrats' response to Donald Trump's State of the Union two days after the Super Bowl and after those ads air. Schumer is also pushing her to run against Republican Senator David Perdue next year in Georgia. Abrams has been consulting with House Democrats on their first signature legislation of the new Congress. That would be H.R. 1, which would mean sweeping changes for how the U.S. conducts elections if it were to ever be passed. And it is a huge omnibus bill with all sorts of uh, election reforms that have uh, almost certainly little or no chance of actually getting passed, at least in full, as long as there are Republicans controlling the U.S. Senate and Donald Trump in the White House. But among the sweeping changes in this huge bill, again, they call it H.R. 1, because this is the, you know, they wanted to make it clear it's sort of a messaging bill that this is the thing they care about the most is reforming our democracy, reforming our elections. I think if I recall, uh, after the 2016 elections, the Republicans made their uh, first bill, H.R. 1, something about taking away abortion rights. Something about that. And then they went immediately after that to trying to strip uh, federal authority over public lands. So they made clear what their priorities what were. Their priorities. Now yeah. the Democrats can make clear these priorities. And by doing this, even if it's doomed in the Senate, by doing this, it does get attention in the media and the opportunity for the public to finally hear about all of these different policies. Among those different policies in this huge bill, which is called the uh, For the People Act of 2019, automatic voter registration for all eligible Americans, same-day voter registration, penalties for interfering with voter registration, blocking deceptive practices and voter intimidation, expanding early voting, preventing partisan gerrymanders, declaring Election Day to be a holiday for federal workers, uh, ethics and lobbying reform surrounding campaigns and elections, etc., and much more, including this passage 
that is in H.R. 1, a paper ballot requirement, not just any paper ballot requirement. Here's how it's defined. The voting system shall require the use of an individual, durable, voter-verified, not voter-verifiable, but verified paper ballot of the voter's vote that shall be marked and made available for inspection and verification by the voter before the voter's vote is cast and counted and which shall be counted by hand or read by an optical character recognition device or other counting device. For purposes of this subclause, it notes the term individual durable voter verified paper ballot means a paper ballot marked by the voter by hand or a paper ballot marked through the use of a non-tabulating ballot marking device, that's a BMD, so long as the voter shall have the option to mark his or her ballot by hand. So that may be about as good as we'll be able to get at the federal level from uh, legislation like this. You know, obviously you can't require a hand-marked paper ballot because there are voters with disabilities who cannot mark a ballot by hand. If it was up to me, I might have used slightly different wording to make it clear that everyone shall have that option. But I, I think it's pretty clear, actually. So long as the voter shall have the option to mark his or her ballot by hand. So every voter would have that right in the in the country if this measure were to ever pass. So, you know, that's pretty good at the federal level. And uh, and frankly, as we said, even getting that passed is going to be difficult since Republicans appear to oppose just about everything in this omnibus election reform bill, at of least at the federal level. Yeah. Uh, more on that in a moment. But back to Georgia uh, quickly here, as we've been discussing quite a bit uh, for quite a while on this show, a, uh, a commission that former Secretary of State, now Governor Brian Kemp, appointed when he was Secretary of State. They have now endorsed a new touchscreen system that prints barcoded ballot receipts, summary cards, whatever you want to call them. Those cannot be verified by uh, voters. Unless you can read a barcode. Unless you can read a barcode. And after an election, we can't know for sure if anyone has verified any of those uh, paper summaries, those barcoded ballots. So uh, that is what Brian Kemp's commission is recommending. State lawmakers are now considering the matter during their current session. Uh, after both Kemp and the new Republican Secretary of State there replacing Kemp, a guy by the name of Brad Raffensperger, giving all Brads a bad name. They all they both specifically requested those touchscreen computer marked barcoded ballot systems rather than verifiable, auditable, hand marked paper ballots which all the voters want, all the computer science and uh, uh, voting system experts want. The only ones who don't want it appear to be the private voting system lobbyists, the elect some elections officials across the state of Georgia, and most of the Republicans except for that one in the ad with, uh, with Stacey Abrams there. So good for her. 
AP notes that advocates of hand-marked paper ballots note that the system Kemp's panel backs could cost at least $100 million, perhaps as much as $150 million, more than triple what the paper ballot system could cost. Because, you know, they're fiscal conservatives, right? They believe in small government, not uh, they're against government waste except when it comes to spending three times more money than is necessary to buy systems that aren't as good as a simple hand-marked paper ballot. But they're conservatives, right, media? AP also notes that Kemp has hired as a top aide a former lobbyist for the uh, private firm ESNS, the largest private vendor in the state, and the ones that sell the very same kind of voting systems that Kemp's commission has recommended. Wait, so Kemp just hired as a chief of staff a yeah. former voting machine yeah. vendor lobbyist? Yeah. When not former, I think he had been working as a lobbyist for ESNS. Until the other day when he was hired by Brian Kemp to be his uh, like deputy chief of staff. And then Kemp requested these specific vendor-promoted machines. That huh. only ES&S sells, yeah. Total coincidence. Don't read too much into it. I'm sure it was just an accident. He had no idea. Anyway, very cool that Stacey Abrams uh, will be seen with a Republican calling for hand-marked paper ballots during the Super Bowl, at least in some areas of Georgia. You know, I keep asking Marilyn Marks, who's been leading this legal fight down there in Georgia, I keep asking her every time she's on the show... You know, after uh, the 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 commission comes out and asks for these barcoded ballots that nobody can actually verify. And then now uh, Raffensperger, the new secretary of state, recommends it to the to the uh, legislature, to lawmakers there. I keep saying every time I ever on the show. So that's it. Right. That's over. We lost this fight. It's. They're going to stick with unverifiable touchscreen voting systems in Georgia. And every time Marilyn says no, no she laughs at me. And she says, no, not by a long shot, Brad. We are still going to continue the fight. We are still going to uh, make sure that uh, Republicans understand what is at stake here in the uh, in the uh, legislature in Georgia. And now this commercial comes out for the Super Bowl with a Republican calling for hand marked paper ballots. Maybe I ought to stop uh, misunderestimating Marilyn Marks. I'm glad she's working for the good guys. Her name is Marks, after all. <laughs> I mean, she should know about hand-marked paper ballots. So, yeah, I'm glad she's working for the good guys, too. By the way, she's a Republican. Just mentioning that. Speaking of H.R. 1, uh, as introduced by the Democrats in the House as their very first bill after retaking the majority in the lower chamber, over in the upper chamber, Republican Majority Leader Mitch McConnell was busy lying about H.R. 1. On Wednesday, uh, McConnell ridiculed the idea of making Election Day a federal holiday, which is uh, one, I think, two lines within the uh, this huge several hundred page bill. But anyway, he took to the uh, Senate floor for some reason to make fun of that notion of having a, a federal holiday out of Election Day. A proposal that many Democrats have long sought and uh, included in that new Congress messaging legislation. Here's Mitch McConnell talking about this, lying about this this week, yesterday, I think. Wednesday. Wednesday on the Senate floor. Their bill would make Election Day a new paid holiday for government workers. 
and created an additional brand new paid leave benefit for up to six days for any federal bureaucrat who decides they'd like to hang out at the polls during any election. <laughs> no. That's what America needs, another paid holiday and a bunch of government workers being paid to go out and work. I assume our folks on our colleagues on the other side on their campaigns. No. This is the Democrat <laughs> plan to restore democracy. A brand new week of paid vacation for every federal employee who'd like to hover around while you cast your ballot. A power grab that's smelling more and more like exactly what it is. A power grab? That's more, considered a power grab? Yeah, more people voting. It's very, very telling what, what McConnell actually thinks about people voting. That that's a power grab. Yeah. The people. Yeah, the people grabbing power, grabbing their power back from jerks like and liars like Mitch McConnell. Now, the uh, proposal in this uh, recently introduced legislation calls for one day off for federal workers on, uh, quote, the Tuesday next after the first Monday in November in 2020 uh, and encourages private employers to follow suit. And then it would be every uh, two years after that or something, it would be an evenly numbered years, it would be a federal holiday. The Election Day proposal is, as I note, a tiny part of H.R. 1, this sweeping anti-corruption and election reform package, including proposals like automatic voter registration, measures to prevent partisan gerrymandering, etc. But here's the section that McConnell is just lying about when he talks about well, this Democrat plan to restore democracy with government workers being paid to go out and work for, I assume, our colleagues on the other side on their campaigns, a brand new week of paid vacation for every federal employee who would like to hover around while you cast your ballot. So what the hell is that about? What is he talking about? Here's what he appears to be talking about. In this bill, Section 1801, an employee in or under an executive agency is entitled to leave without loss or of reduction in pay, leave to which uh, they are otherwise entitled, credit for time or service or performance or efficiency rating, not to exceed six days in a leave year in order to, one, Provide election administration assistance to a state or unit uh, of local government at a polling place on the date of any election for public office or two to receive any training without which such employee would be ineligible to provide such assistance. So, no. Senator McConnell, this is not about allowing federal workers to uh, work on campaigns for up to six days before then hovering around at the polling place while people are vo voting. This is to allow these federal workers to take that uh, hopefully federal holiday off in order to serve as poll workers back in their state or in their county, or in their city, or whatever the local jurisdiction is, on election day. And the only other days they would be able to take off would be a day if they were needed for training for that job of being a poll worker. And again, uh, some of the most important patriotic Americans in this country are those folks who work at the polling place for 
absurdly long hours for little or no money to make sure to try to fight like hell for our elections, uh, for our supposed representative democracy in this country to actually work. You know, for all of the for all of the times we've we've seen guys like Mitch McConnell stand up and talk about our brave heroes in the armed forces or our brave heroes on the front lines in law enforcement or first responders. Sure, all of those people are fantastic. That said, poll workers deserve a similar sort of nod from people like Mitch McConnell, who is out there instead denigrating the idea that these people are just hovering around, bothering voters while they're trying to cast their vote and taking a six-day holiday. What a goddamn liar. So, yeah, no, uh, a week of... uh, paid vacation uh, to work on their opponent's campaign is decidedly not what is being offered in this legislation. It is quite clear, but that doesn't keep Mitch McConnell from lying about it. I do understand why Republicans uh, who hate actual representative democracy of the people, by the people, and for the people, why they would be opposed to this measure to try and encourage uh, our nation to, to try to behave more like the democracy it pretends to be, at least when it's criticizing the rest of the world for their perceived small d democratic failures. But for Mitch McConnell to go out and lie about it, I guess I should be shocked. But it's Mitch McConnell. So I would uh, perhaps I would be shocked if he actually came out in support of this measure or any sort of measure that actually uh, returned democracy to the people. All right, let's take a quick break here. We will come back, maybe beat up on Democrats a little bit, sort of, and much more on the broadcast straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Right, right, you're bloody well right. You got a bloody right to say. Right, you're bloody well right. You know you got a right to say. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. All right. Uh, well, speaking of um, uh, speaking of liars, speaking of the U.S. Senate, plenty to speak about. Uh, let me start here. Senate Minority Leader Charles Schumer. No, I'm not calling him a liar. <laughs> not yet. Anyway, he is. Uh, he's urging top intelligence officials to meet. With Donald Trump, mind you, these are Donald Trump's own intelligence officials. He's urging them to meet with Donald Trump after the commander in chief lashed out at the intelligence community uh, on Wednesday. Uh, He has essentially sent a letter to these uh, intel officials asking them to, quote, stage an intervention with the president of the United States. This is is calling on. Uh, Donald Trump's own national intelligence officials, including his own CIA director, his own FBI director, his own director of national intelligence. Donald Trump called them not, quote, naive, and he tweeted that they should go back to school, his own appointees. We talked about this in some detail on our on our broadcast yesterday. 
Uh, this after the uh, intelligence community had released a report uh, and and testified to Congress on Tuesday about it, finding that Trump was wrong on just about every single foreign policy issue that Trump has spoken up on, at least when it comes to issues of national security. The uh, Trump's top intelligence officials said that contrary to Trump's claims, North Korea was, in fact, still a nuclear threat and expanding its arsenal, that Iran was not a nuclear threat and was not working on a nuclear weapon because the anti-nuclear deal that was struck under President Obama was actually still working, despite Trump having pulled out of it and falsely claiming that Iran had broken the agreement that uh, China and Russia posed huge cybersecurity threats to the U.S., and notably that the U.S.-Mexico border was not a top threat to the U.S., despite Trump's potential plans to declare a national emergency there if he does not get his $5.7 billion to build a, uh, a couple hundred miles of new wall on the border uh, down in Texas. So none of that set well with President fantasy world. So he had to go out and attack his very own intelligence officials. Nancy Pelosi, uh, the U.S. House Speaker, was asked about this a, a, a little bit, I, I think, uh, with the, in her press conference uh, today. Yes, this is the regular Democratic press conference on Thursday. Well, I think what the public saw this week was the fact that the president has not paid attention uh, to the intelligence that has been given to him on many of these subjects. I thought it was courageous that the uh, different heads of uh, different aspects of our intelligence community uh, spoke truth to the country and to to power. Uh, I track this very closely. And one dismaying factor of it all is that the president just doesn't seem to have the attention span or the desire to hear what the intelligence community has been telling him. I don't know if it's attention span or desire. I think his his mind, his brain has been so addled, so addled by Fox News over all of these years. Uh, it's really it's impossible to know what he uh, believes is true and what versus, you know, what he is lying about and simply doesn't have the patience to sit through from his own intelligence officials. Uh, at a press avail on uh, uh, on Thursday, he was asked by the media if he uh, stood by his attack again on his own, not, uh, you know, holdovers from the Obama administration, not supposed deep state Democrats appointed by Obama. But these are people appointed by Trump himself. Did he still have uh, did he still have confidence in those people after they came out this week and said he was entirely wrong? about pretty much everything. Do you still have confidence in Gina Haspel and Dan Coates to give you good advice? No, I disagree with certain things that they said. I think I'm right, but time will prove uh, that. Time will prove me right, probably. Yes, probably. No, but probably. That's what'll happen. Time will prove them right. Never mind actual evidence that the U.S. intelligence services have uh, the, 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 the best access to the best intelligence in the world. Maybe they're lying. He didn't call them liars. He just he says, uh, I disagree with them. I'll be proven right after a while somehow because someone told him. Anyway, so uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer sent a, a letter to Director of National Intelligence Dan Coats on Wednesday saying that it was, quote, incumbent that the former senator... 
uh, Dan Coats and uh, CIA Director Gina Haspel and FBI Director Christopher Wray that they, quote, insist on an immediate meeting with Trump in the wake of his tweets calling them naive, etc., Uh, The letter says you cannot allow the president's ill-advised and unwarranted comments to stand. He is putting you and your colleagues in an untenable position and hurting the national interests in the process. You must find a way to make that clear to him. Uh, In a separate tweet on Wednesday, Schumer added that it is, quote, past time for U.S. intelligence community leaders to stage an intervention with the president. Schumer said he wants Coates and Haspel and Ray to use a meeting with Trump to, quote, educate the president about the facts and raw intelligence underlying the intelligence community assessments. Impress upon him how critically important it is for him to join you and the leaders of our intelligence community in speaking with a unified and accurate voice about national security threats. Senator Mark Warner, who is the uh, uh, the uh, co-chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, said that Trump is, quote, undermining the intelligence community. While Senator John Thune, a Republican from South Dakota, told reporters that he would, quote, prefer the president would stay off Twitter. That was the best rebuke that uh, apparently John Thune was able to uh, to bring to uh, Trump. Oh, that's some real spine. In his letter, uh, Schumer called Trump's criticism extraordinarily inappropriate. He said, I applaud you and your colleagues. This is the letter to Coates, the DNI uh, Coates. I applaud, applaud you and your colleagues in the intelligence community for being clear eyed about the threats we face. But you cannot allow the president's ill advised and unwarranted comments to stand. Coates told the Senate Intelligence Committee uh, that the intelligence community found that Iran is not currently seeking to develop nuclear weapons, uh, basing his remarks on an intelligence assessment. Trump, however, reiterated in his tweet on Wednesday morning that Iran is, quote, testing rockets last week and more. Which doesn't see which he seems to have uh, that seems to be intelligence that he got from Fox News, not actual intelligence, as I understand it. He also appeared to mock officials again in his own administration, saying, quote, perhaps intelligence should go back to school. The intelligence people seem to be extremely passive and naive when it comes to the dangers of Iran. They are wrong, he said. Well, so good. I applaud uh, Schumer for trying to get Trump's own officials to do the right thing and to have an intervention to stage an intervention with this off the rails president. But you know what else uh, would also be nice? Uh, What would be a a nice uh, way to stage an intervention? Well, the U.S. Constitution calls it impeachment Uh, and Democrats could start that process right now. So letters are nice. But if Chuck Schumer really wants to stage an intervention, we have a process for that. It is called impeachment. And as Ernie Canning wrote about yesterday at Bradblog.com, an impeachment could start with a Senate select committee, just as it did under Richard Nixon. It actually started. The Watergate committee was actually in the U.S. Senate and they uh, recommended impeachment to the House Judiciary Committee. I'll point you to the article. It's uh, short and sweet, published uh, yesterday by Ernie Canning at Bradblog.com. It's headlined on the immediate need for a congressional impeachment inquiry where Ernie explains why it is unnecessary and perhaps unwise for Congress to wait for a report from special counsel Robert Mueller. 
They don't have to do that. They keep saying, well, we want to see what Robert Mueller has to say. Meantime, we have plenty, plenty of impeachable offenses uh, that could be brought forward. But uh, Ernie notes uh, that uh, back in the Nixon era, it was actually a special Senate, the Watergate committee in the Senate that ended up revealing that there were smoking gun Oval Office tapes that the special prosecutor at the time had not known about and that uh, ultimately, of course, took down Nixon. Now, it's obviously unlikely that Mitch McConnell would allow a special committee in the U.S. Senate. But, you know, nothing stops Schumer and the Democrats from calling for one, for demanding for one, just like we saw with Richard Nixon. Nothing at all stops the Democrats from actually introducing articles of impeachment or convening an impeachment inquiry immediately in the U.S. House now that they have taken back the majority. So, you know, when I read about this letter from Chuck Schumer, I think, hey, good publicity stunt, Chuck. But even better would be if Democrats actually took action, if they really feel like this president is as much of a threat to the nation that he deserves an intervention in this case, as they suggest, it would be nice if the Democrats actually did their job and began undertaking their constitutional responsibility to consider to consider. Just look at the evidence. That's what an impeachment inquiry is. Examine the evidence as to whether they believe they should recommend that the U.S. Senate uh, hold a trial and then uh, vote whether to remove this guy or not from office. That's the Democratic Party's constitutional duty as I see it. And again, publicity stunts are great, uh, but action here would be far better. So, uh, you know, Democrats and Republicans in the U.S. Senate today, they did take a little bit of uh, of related action here on Thursday, just before airtime, according to AP in a bipartisan rebuke. To President Donald Trump, the Senate voted 68-23 on Thursday to advance an amendment that would oppose withdrawal of U.S. troops from Syria and Afghanistan. And frankly, I hate applauding that effort, since I would love to withdraw troops from both Syria and Afghanistan. But the way that Trump is doing it, frankly, based on false information based on false claims that ISIS has been uh, destroyed, that we have destroyed ISIS. That is, frankly, a danger to uh, to us, to the U.S., to our allies, to the entire region at this point, since he's uh, apparently carried out no actual studies or worked out any of this with the military commanders on how it should actually be done and what will happen afterward. This, you'll recall, is what led to the resignation of uh, Trump's defense secretary, James Mattis, after this policy was announced. In any event, the amendment uh, passed in the in the U.S. Senate today uh, was brought up by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. It comes after Trump had called for a drawdown of troops in both uh, Syria and uh, Afghanistan. The measure says that the Islamic State or ISIS and Al Qaeda militants still pose a threat to the U.S. And it warns that, quote, a precipitous withdrawal of U.S. forces from those countries could, quote, allow terrorists to regroup, destabilize critical regions and create vacuums that could be filled by Iran or Russia. 
Now, frankly, I'm not afraid of either of those countries, <laughs> but uh, Democrats seem very, very concerned about Russia. Republicans seem very, very concerned about Iran. So I guess they felt comfortable in getting together uh, on this uh, on this uh, on this issue after Trump had abruptly tweeted for uh, uh, that there would be a U.S. pullout from Syria last December, arguing that the uh, ISIS had been defeated, even though his own intelligence chiefs this week said the group remains a threat. Trump also ordered the military to develop plans to remove up to half of the 14,000 U.S. forces in Afghanistan. Oh, draw up actual plans before doing it? There's an idea. AP says the vote is the latest indication of deepening cracks between the Republican Senate and Trump on foreign policy matters. Similar rifts exist with Trump's own administration within Trump's own administration. That was evident this week when the uh, heads of the intel agencies testified to the Senate contradicting Trump on everything. McConnell's amendment is non-binding, however. It's just a resolution. It's just a sense of the Senate. It would encourage cooperation between the White House and Congress to develop long-term strategies in both nations, including a thorough accounting of risks of withdrawing too hastily. Many Democrats have argued that the U.S. should eventually withdraw from the conflicts in Syria and Afghanistan. And around half of those Democrats today um, supported McConnell's resolution. The others did not. California uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein said after the vote that she believes, quote, it is far past due for the U.S. to negotiate an appropriate end to the conflict in Afghanistan. She said she also agreed with McConnell that the precipitous withdrawal from either country without political resolutions would risk what troops there have uh, what troops there have already achieved she said she did vote in favor of the measure many of the more liberal members of the senate including several democrats who are eyeing presidential runs in 2020 they voted against the amendment Independent Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont said he thinks Trump announced the withdrawals too abruptly, but that the U.S. has been in Afghanistan and Syria for long enough. He says what McConnell is saying is let's maintain the status quo, according to uh, Bernie. A vote on final passage of this amendment uh, could come early next week. If it succeeds, the language would be added to a, a wide ranging foreign policy bill that has been pending on the Senate floor for many weeks. But again, it's just an advisory, a sense of the Senate sort of uh, thing. Don't expect too much from it either way. I just see it as maybe an encouraging sign. Maybe am I reaching too far here, but an encouraging sign that maybe just a teensy tiny bit. Republicans are finally deciding that they don't need to be so cowed and frightened of this stupid president. Yeah, it does show that, oh, look, McConnell actually can come out of his shell and actually can put some legislation up on the Senate floor because he's been, you know, failing to do so when it comes to things like opening up the government after the longest government shutdown in U.S. history. We don't want to make the president sad. Of course, that doesn't sound like Mitch McConnell at no, all, but but, <laughs> but that's the that's the feeling, the point. Anyway, uh, all right. Uh, speaking of uh, our stupid president and um, and transitioning over to the Green News Report, which is coming up uh, shortly, a, a popular beach in northern California 
was overrun by elephant seals during the government shutdown. So here's actually, see, here's an upside of the government shutdown. The elephant seals on the West Coast are taking taking their land back. Taking the beaches back, baby. They're taking back, they're storming the beaches. Uh, Lolling about over them, you know, the same idea. Yes. yes. If you've ever seen the elephant seals, they don't exactly storm. Storm, do they? <laughs> no, they don't. But, you know, no. they are about the size of an SUV. Yeah, so. no, they're huge. Stay away from them. So this beach will uh, remain temporarily closed. It had uh, been a, a popular beach that was closed during the shutdown. But now the park uh, has decided to let the steel, the uh, seals stay. The Elven Seal Colony at Point Reyes National Seashore moved from its typical spot on the beach to an area regularly visited by tourists. They the the seals knocked down a fence. I guess <laughs> they did storm wow. a little bit. Uh, even taking over the parking lot, forcing staff to close the access road as well. John Delasso, the uh, chief of interpretation and resource education for the seashore, told the News outlet that there are as many as 1,500 elephant seals that call the park home. He said previously a few stray seals would uh, would sort of wander up up uh, up to the beach area that uh, visited by humans, but now more than 50 seals are in the location. <laughs> They've oh. taken it over. They are not moving anytime soon. And with the uh, winter is when the elephant seals uh, birth and nurse their young. There are now 35 new baby seals inhabiting the area as well. Aww. So while the uh, shutdown and lack of staff had something to do with the seals' relocation, Del Asso said that also high tides and storms have moved them to a drier part of the beach that they now inhabit. Had staff been present at the time, they would have discouraged the seals. They would have uh, shooed them away. Uh, but now pretty much they can't. Uh, they haven't indicated when the uh, road will reopen there for tourists, but uh, they are considering putting together guided tours so visitors can at least look at the elephant seal colony without disturbing them on what used to be the People's Beach, but is now the elephant seal's beach. Good for the elephant seals. <laughs> I'm in favor of it. All right, quick break, and we are back with the Green News Report right after this with Desi Doyen. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Good news and bad before we uh, get to our Green News report. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Um, let's see. Uh, here's the good news, Desi Doyen. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Senator uh, Ed Markey, Democrat from Massachusetts, are reportedly planning to unveil, legis- unveil legislation for a Green New Deal huh. in the coming days, perhaps as early as next week. That would be great. It'll be nice to see them actually flesh out some, some specific policy proposals for people to start chewing over. 
This is uh, a very popular idea, essentially, uh, moving to uh, 100% renewable energy. Is that a quick way to, to describe yes. what would be in a, a green getting off deal? Of fo- Actually, it's better to say getting off of fossil fuels. There you go. Uh, 92% of Democrats approve this idea, and 64% of Republicans also support the general idea of a Green New Deal, according to a, uh, a poll taken just last month. So this is a very popular idea. Good to see Ocasio-Cortez and Ed Markey moving forward in both the House and the Senate. Yes, and I look forward to, uh, we'll be talking about this, the Green New Deal, helping to flesh it out. But in the meantime, you can always check out David Roberts at Vox.com. He has a great long article sort of fleshing out all the ideas and the political options going forward. The bad news, uh, we reported earlier that at least 13 were killed in this uh, polar vortex, cold, bitter cold snap across the nation. Uh, that number, according to the New York Times about two minutes ago, is now up to 20 deaths, believed tied to the, uh, the cold weather, including an 18-year-old who wanted to be a doctor. Mm. So, uh, But it's going to get warmer soon and probably too warm, as discussed in our latest Green News report. 59 below zero in Grand Forks, North Dakota, 41 below in Minneapolis, and 48 below in Chicago. Record extreme cold shuts down parts of the U.S., and it still doesn't disprove climate change. It'll make a big difference to the United States economically. Trump administration seems to concede Venezuela intervention is all about oil, plus Germany sets path to completely quit coal. Quitters. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Pros and cons of the return of the polar vortex. Pro, going outside in a t-shirt and earning the respect of your peers. Con, getting a high five and having your hand snap off. There you go. Oh, I hate when that happens. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, as we predicted on the last Green News report, it would be redonkulously cold across much of the uh, Midwest and Northeast. It turned out to be true, but hey, it's getting warmer. Yes, parts of the U.S. Midwest were colder than even parts of Antarctica, Alaska, and Mount Everest this week amid the latest breakdown of the polar vortex when a wobbly, weakened jet stream spills extremely cold temperatures out of the Arctic. This round has shattered numerous daily and even some all-time low temperature records in the United States. Some states were forced to close offices and schools, warning of, quote, almost instant frostbite for anyone outside in the record cold. Even the U.S. Post Office canceled mail delivery in 10 states to protect postal workers. But you better get used to these extreme swings because this breakdown in the polar vortex with warmer air pushing into the Arctic and displacing cold air into lower latitudes has been occurring more frequently over the last 30 years. That's according to meteorologist Guy Walton in an interview on the broadcast. What we're having right now as far as global warming goes is we're having a lot of warmth from the subtropics moving northward over the polar areas where prior to, say, the 1970s, we hadn't been seeing that as, as much. Hmm. I wonder what changed. 
And like clockwork, President Trump and his supporters responded with their usual nonsense, denying the scientific consensus on man-made global warming because of this outbreak of extreme cold in just a part of the U.S. It's colder in Minnesota right now than it is at the North Pole. Yeah, it's craziness. Yes, it's craziness. Isn't it Fox News? Isn't it wonderful when it turns cold? Idiots. But at least one federal agency pushed back against the deniers this week without specifically referring to Trump. NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, posted to Twitter a child's cartoon explaining how even intense winter extremes are amplified by global warming. The folks on Fox News, however, were unable to read it. Of course, a few days of extreme cold in the United States does not change the documented fact that winters globally have gotten warmer on average over the last 30 years in the U.S. and everywhere, bringing with it new problems for water supplies, agriculture, economies reliant on winter tourism, and more. It's craziness. Meanwhile, in politics, the Trump administration's push for regime change in Venezuela to force President Nicolas Maduro out of power may actually be about getting at Venezuela's oil. You think? Democracy Now! highlighted a comment by Trump's national security advisor John Bolton this this week on the Fox Business Channel, in which Bolton stated that the administration's intervention, including new sanctions against Venezuela's oil industry, could actually benefit American oil companies. It'll make a big difference to the United States economically if we could have American oil companies really invest in and, and produce the oil uh, capabilities in uh, Venezuela. If only we could control all of the oil over all of the globe all of the time. I don't know where these other countries get the idea that that oil should belong to them. And for those too young to remember, John Bolton was a key architect of the U.S. invasion of Iraq, which resulted in American oil companies running Iraq's oil industry. I'd be careful if I were you, Iran. Finally, Germany is quitting coal. A national commission backed by the German government has committed the nation to shutting down all 84 of its coal-fired power plants within 20 years, part of a strategy to accelerate the country's shift to renewable energy and reduce its emissions 60 percent by 2030. Renewable energy is the leading source of electricity in Germany right now, but coal still supplies about 40 percent. Coal plant operators agreed to close nearly half of their coal plants in just three years, with a total phase out by 2038. And the plan calls for a $45 billion transition fund to assist coal-dependent regions with the changes. Nice. They're going to have to do it sooner than 20 years, I'm afraid. Yes. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Well, at least they're uh, willing to make changes in Germany to their infrastructure and get rid of coal. So <laughs> yeah. there is that. And they do show that it can be done because yep. they're in the middle of doing it. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention yeah. about the impact of this polar vortex is really highlighted something that we've been talking about for quite a while about our aging infrastructure and that our infrastructure was not built 
for these weather extremes mm. that we're seeing so much more of now with global warming and that are going to get even worse as climate change progresses. So, uh, for example, a lot of failures in different cities in Detroit. Uh, they report that more than two dozen water mains froze. Mm. And yep. most of them were built between the 1900s and the 1950s and have already gone past their uh, intended their operating. Due date, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it's it's straining our infrastructure. It's cracking train rails. Uh, it's straining mm. electrical systems. Some people had power outages in the middle of the freezing cold. They also were str- plunged into darkness. Um, and mm. uh, it's just it's something that the Green New Deal is supposed to address the idea that we have to make our infrastructure more resilient and upgrade everything in order to be ready for the coming impacts. And of course, it's a huge jobs program at yeah. the same time. You we'll cannot... get this country uh, back to work with real paying job, proper paying jobs instead of McDonald's jobs. Right, because you can't outsource a water main in Los Angeles to <laughs> China to repair it. You uh, can't put solar panels well, on a roof and ship it to China. So well, there are ways we can make at-home jobs here in the United States. Don't under underestimate the guy in the White House. <laughs> He'll figure out how to do that. Uh, all right, got to get out. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our producer, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It has uh, been an honor to have you with us, as ever. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Uh, you can also drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog, And we are celebrating. Bradblog.com is now 15, 15 years old, even though it feels like 50. Nonetheless, we're uh, very proud to have been here for 15 years. We couldn't have done it without support from you folks. Listeners of the Bradcast, readers of bradblog.com, if you have not contributed or in haven't done so in a while, please consider stopping by bradblog.com slash donate to set up a one-time uh, donation or a monthly donation of any amount you like. 15 years we've been around? How about $15 a month? That sounds nice. Please think about it. But my, uh, but my thanks to those of you who already have stopped by. Bradblog.com slash donate. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>